Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I am Stuart Roberts and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago. I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job. This is a calling. Hello, this is Hear Me See Me podcast. Stuart with um, an amazing British icon of the design industry. (laughs) Bella Freud, how are you, my dear? (laughs) I'm good after hearing that description. (laughs) Is that how you feel most days? No. No. (laughs) It's funny, isn't it, when people... um, Sort of, I get it. I get it. Sometimes what I do, and you, you know, and they they say to me, "Think, who are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a good balance for the other yeah. stuff that goes on in one's own head. Yeah, yeah. All the things that we make life so difficult with. Um, now, obviously, I had to because um, I'm not anyone looking at me. Generally, most days would realise I'm not much of a fashion guru. <laughs> I'm normally walking around most days in a haircut front of a t-shirt, but um, and a hairdresser, I like a whole wardrobe full of black clothes. Hmm. Um, so, and I looked at him, but you're, my goodness, your life story. Um, I thought I had a colourful life story. <laughs> 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 it was just fascinating. I couldn't wait to, honestly, I couldn't wait to speak to you today because, um, you know, it, it, it it's really. It's really from the outside of looking in. It's really fascinating. I know. Um, I know. Obviously, like you've just lived it, and it's just life to you. But can you tell me about what, you know what things were like growing up and stuff? Um, well, what struck you in particular? Because um, it's, it seems a long time ago, and there are little yeah. bits of it. But, yeah, um, the bits. I, I suppose it was like. Um, the the early part where where you you, you lived out in Marrakesh mm. as a young you know I'm just thinking I was living in Essex <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean <laughs> you always want what you have I mean you know it was the well you always want what you want what you don't have really and um, yeah I suppose I had quite a, it was quite an unpredictable childhood it was very mm. hand to mouth and um, you know my mother we we had we really had no money and um i mean we really were very penniless a lot of the time and that made a huge influence how we lived and i think one of the reasons my mother decided that we should go and live in morocco for a bit was because you know the cost of living was much lower and uh you know even though i my father he he had money but he didn't want and he was quite clear about it he 
he didn't want people to depend on him and um and I think that was obviously really difficult for my mother who was very young and she was 18 when I was born so but we you know we were very tight unit the three of us and we went to, we went off to Morocco in a van and uh, which broke down all the time and um and then when we got there we moved around a lot we didn't really have we didn't have our own home or anything like that um so it was you know it, i suppose it was quite a number uh, you know had an effect yeah I mean, it, it, I'm just trying to imagine it. And um, the thing is, it, it, what it does, it gives us um, a real sense of our need for security, I would think. Mm. I, th- I think so, yeah. Because, um, you know, it sounds exciting and an adventure, but the things mm. that are nice for children is, is routine. I mean, it's good when there's some, you know, going any extreme of any of those ways, too much routine, no freedom is, yeah. is kind of drives you around the bend and to no routine and no edit really. Yeah. Um, it also makes you feel very unsafe. And, uh, but there were, you know, there were the things I loved about Morocco. I mean, when we got there, I blended in, I, I think I was six and a half. I was mm. nearly seven Oh, and and um, and then I made friends with all the beggar girls in the big square, and I learnt fluent Arabic really quickly. And I used to hang around with them in a sort of little tiny, you know, tiny as in knee height gang. Yeah. <laughs> and they were amazing. You know, I still yeah. remember one of those girls really well, and I got to see things from their point of view. And, um, you know, they're kind of the harshness of their lives. I never, ever saw anyone's parent. Um, and I suppose that's why I've always had a lot of empathy for people having their own hard time, people on the streets or people who are living in, you know, under occupation or being marginalized or just bullied really I've had a, yeah. an obsession with bullies my whole life yeah. and um, I suppose it started there I think um, it, it biggest belief sometimes though that in this day and age you know in, in such a modern cosmopolitan uh, country and that, that people are still in that position yeah you know, I mean, I go, when I go, and, 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 you know, you just don't expect it now. I mean, you sort of, it doesn't make it right, but you sort of expect it in those circumstances, in those times. But then when you come face to face with it in this, you know, 2020, mm. um, I, I go to uh, Dublin, um, and it's one of their biggest projects. And, and oh, really? Yeah, they, they, it's a lovely place, Capuchin Day Centre, run by, uh, Brother Kevin, and, and he's been doing it all his life. And they serve 300 people for breakfast and 500 for lunch. Um, wow. And when I first got there, it, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it because they're all queuing down the street. And it just, it takes you, it makes you think of like Dickensian times, you know, like. Of, yeah. Uh, 
uh, and you think, Heck, I, I, how can this be happening now? You know, how can this be mm. in this day and age when there is, I know there's, you know, difficulties, but there is plenty for everyone. Yeah. It's, you know, it just doesn't seem right, you know. Um, it isn't right, you're right. I mean, and also I think it's a lot to do with language because, you know, it is possible to solve these things or certainly to make them better, but it is, there has to be the language there in the first mm. place. And that, I suppose, comes from the top and mm. the political will. And they use a certain type of language that means that people can buy into, there's nothing we can do. So just turn away. Yeah. And if they change their language, and, and part of what's been happening under the lockdown is, you know, people have been helping each other. And there's a lot more, you know, you hear people talking about what they want to do, how to help. Everyone is rallying. And, uh, you know, it's, it, 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 it's much easier, I think, to do. But it's much easier for people to buy into. There's nothing. So they feel, I think people feel easily overwhelmed that the task is so enormous. But no task is, is so enormous, you know. Yeah. And uh, and that feels really heartbreaking that there's so little commitment um, from from our you know political leaders. Yeah. Um, there's just a few of them that that care about that stuff, and the rest, you know, like when you hear them answering on the daily briefings, and there's a question raised about an issue, they say. We're doing everything. We've worked very closely with this organization or this body, and and it's just rubbish. And you know they're lying, and it's but they have this answer, and then it's switch off time again. It's uh, it's true. Like it's what you just said about language. Um, I'm fascinated by it. Um, mm. uh, you know, and it's such a powerful thing. Um, and I find it in when I've when I've worked with people with um, alcoholism and things, you know, when the people have generally got very low self-esteem, mm-hmm. um, like the language that pe- people don't even realise what they're actually saying half the time, do they? Yeah, yeah, they just don't. They haven't been encouraged to to give it some thought, really. And it can, and it's everything. I mean, people say love is everything, but for for me, language—that is, that language is the language of love, and people can't know anything or imagine anything different without language. And that's, you know, where you see people who are capable of creating real kind of change in society and and positive change and beauty and stuff. Who you know, like Mandela and Tutu, and um, you know, even Oprah Winfrey. You know, people who would just speak it and say it, but in a way that it's open for people rather than it's a an attack or it's rhetoric, because people close up with that. So it's it's a it's just such an incredible thing. I suppose a lot of singers have that you know even if they don't they're not even committed to the effect they create they have that power to open people's minds and hearts and and that's that's really the key to everything and i suppose like 
you know, that's the thing about what you're doing. And in the little clip of the film that um, BT Papers have made, where you, you see people who are homeless and you see this kind of moment where they're being treated in a kind of respectful way with dignity and having a haircut. And it's, it's incredibly um, moving. And, you know, you, you suddenly realize, yeah, these, we're all the same. And, um, you know, there are no lesser people. Um, and it doesn't work for society if there are lesser people. It's unbalances things. Someone says to me years ago, like, you know, never look up or down. And mm. it, it's just a nice, uh, just a nice neutral way of living then. Because, um, you know, we are all born equal. Mm. That's the thing. But reality doesn't always prove that. But, um, and the big, you know, like we say about language, the, the, the big thing I find with the guys I meet a lot of the time is that they, they've got no voice. Yeah. Um, and often they, they don't feel that they're heard. Um, and, that, and that's a major, major thing. You know, so many times we say, well, it's, not, it's not really the haircut. It's the touch um, and it's the conversation and it's the respect. Yeah, exactly. We're um, all crave for. We've all got the same basic urges and needs. And we, you know, it like, doesn't matter who we are. We've all got those same insecurities. Um, that that of a baby, really. You know, we just want warmth and love and nourishment. Yeah. So <laughs> 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 I suppose what's good about the haircut is there's not. It's not. A patronage. It's a service. It's a. It's, yeah. it's like an allying. I'm doing this for you. This is my job, and I'm providing. Mm. You know, I'm I'm giving this to you, and there is no kind of hierarchy in that. It's no. not transactional. It's a, it's a service, and it's general, and it makes people feel good. It makes people feel respected and considered. And that's why it's such a great thing, you know, because um, charity, no one wants charity. People want to be no. treated, you know, as, you know, people. Yeah, yeah. And I find that, um, you know, you, as you said about when you was a child and you was with these children that had nothing, um, but you find that there can be um, so much positive and, uh, you know, happiness in the most extraordinary circumstances because we find we have such a, we have, we have such a, a, a great time a lot of the time. It's awfully sad um, and many stories are really, really sad but sometimes we have a great laugh when we're doing what we're doing, you know. Yeah. Because people imagine it to be, I mean, that, 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 I mean, that clip of that film was very, very moving but Another aspect of it is is people um, enjoying life in spite of all that, which gives me great hope a lot of the time as well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that is so it's so fantastic that. Um, yeah, it's really impressive. <laughs> so, um, what what happened then? You used to go into the 
the fashion industry. Well, you know, when you came back to be in, in Britain, um, what what drew you to that? Um, I because I so I came back. We lived in Morocco for two years. I came back when I was eight, and then right. we lived in Sussex. Went to school, and I was always interested in clothes, but not. I was always. I was always interested in them as a kind of way of hiding myself and having a kind of some sort of like detachment in my demeanor. Um, and so I, I, I used to make things and sew things. And but in my, we went to this uh, progressive school called the Rudolf Steiner School, and um, and they were very anti-fashion and so I had this kind of craving this sort of shameful secret interest but I had to show it in a in a different way so I you know buy I mean buy my stuff from the jumble sale and I like sort of um I like uniformy type of things and um and then when I left home, I left home when I was 16 and moved to London and got into the punk scene. And, um, and that, you know, suddenly it was, there was a different uniform and a uniform where people were scared of you just because you were wearing a certain type of thing, which was really stimulating. It was like, God, you know, how funny, um, you know, I'm 16 and there's a woman, I remember waiting on Edgware Road and there was this woman who just screamed and I was a child. It was just so stupid. But um, I got I got really into like dressing, you know, what you yeah. could wear and being different. And and I met I'm you know, worked for Vivian then and then I worked for her again. I went then I went to I went to design school in Rome and part, it wasn't really anything to do with Rome. I just met someone. I went and lived with him in Rome and went to this school. And I learned a lot about tailoring and about making stuff and like artisans and um, shoemaking and the kind of internals of of a tailored jacket and all the code of what showed you were you know, if you had a jacket that you could unbutton the cuff buttonholes, that meant it was a handmade thing and that yeah. put you in a category and all those things I was really into. And then um, and then I, I suppose that's how I got into it. I, I, I never really, I just did it and then suddenly found that's what I seemed to be doing. And I always had a very strong idea of a look in my head that I liked. And and that's continued. <laughs> been yeah. going on for nearly 30 years. That's, that time, you said, that's, that's young. That's, so 16, going to London. Yeah. Uh, were, you, were you scared? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't really realize, but I, I didn't... I, you know, I suppose my my parenting was quite weird. I I was getting on very very badly with my mother and her step and her my sort of stepfather yeah. figure, who I got on very very badly with. And I just felt like 
I had to get out, and then my yeah. father helped me, um, and I I moved in with one of my half sisters, wow. who I'd only just started to get to know, and and he was great, but he wasn't like a traditional father at all. But he no. he was he was fantastic, and mm. he was I used to, and then I started sitting for him. And, um, He's an artist, as you probably yeah. know. And yeah. so when I moved to London, I I started working for him. I'd sit to him. I sat for him until for a long time. We'd always be doing a painting until yeah. I was about 40, I think. And when I, when I had my son when I was 39... And then it was just too much to sit for him and yeah. um, be a mother and have a full-time job. But he he was he was fantastic. And uh, but I yeah, yeah I, I was I I mean God I didn't know what I was doing and I really fell into um, you know some kind of dark places. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. it's it's so young and vulnerable, isn't it? Like um, yeah. And, and you know, at sixteen years, I'm just trying to equate to myself at sixteen. And um, yeah, that I was, I was very. Uh, when did you leave really. home? Ah, oh, well, I got um, uh, nineteen. So I say that, look, three years later, <laughs> I was gone. But my was like, I, I fell in, I fell in, in deeply, madly in love. Uh, the romantic that I am, and. Mm. Um, we 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 got a place together at nineteen. Wow! You know, and uh, all my friends was off to Ibiza, and I was off to IKEA. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and then we we got married and we had a child, and you know, wow. at twenty three, and then divorced at twenty four. So wow. all of the things of pair, both uh, both sets of parents and your partner young. Mm. And you, you, you just can't believe them, do you? And then you realise, oh, yeah, I was too young, and mm. no animosity, you know, for, uh, to, to my ex-wife and that. And we just were too young, you know. But I've got a wonderful daughter from it, and yeah, um, yeah we and, and, and it, I know because in the end, it's like you just do what you do, and if it's not mm. a destructive thing, then it's just, no. you know, you've got a child, and that's incredible, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, we, yeah, and uh, yeah, she, we're, we're very close because I, mm. I made sure I kept in it. I don't, I think that's where I really went off the rails though, because I thought then was catching up uh, all the things I'd felt I missed out on by being in a couple very young. That I then went yeah. a bit mad for a few years, and that's when all my all my things came out that all uh, mm. had to stop in the end, you know, um, <laughs> with. Uh, Complete yeah. abstinence uh, for the last yeah. fourteen years, but that's you know it's nice. You know, some people get away with it, and I didn't. That's one of those things. Yeah. I did, when you said about punk, it brought back something that I'd completely forgotten. That I, you know, you've always got a friend that's more trendy than you, or is that yeah. just me? But this, <laughs> I just know this mate as I grew up with, and he was always he always got it right, and I never quite got it right. And we used to go to King's Road and we used to see all these things going on. And I'll never forget, he bought, um, what did we have? Mohair jumpers, skinny trousers and cowboy boots. Oh, yeah. Now, he, he, he got it off pat and he looked great. My mum knitted me a jumper. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Oh, it's some... <laughs> no holes in it or anything. <laughs> no, it's just, it's just a real sort of, it's just this fluffy wall that she'd put up. <laughs> and then, and then, and I've got, <laughs> I've got these sort of tight skin, skin tight drain pipe trousers, but I couldn't really afford the, the proper cowboy boots, so I do sort of like plasticky imitation, sort of like fancy wellies. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <laughs> we met up on the corner. We raised some on the corner <laughs> to go to somewhere. And he, he sort of, he, 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 I was always late as well. So he's waiting on the corner. He saw me coming, <laughs> turned around and went home. Oh, God. He wouldn't go out with me. <laughs> so crushing. We did, and then we ended up, we, we we went to some amazing places. We went to the Blitz when it first started, mm. and we sort of used Did to you go in when it was Bangs, when it was in Tottenham Court Road? You're probably too young. I remember we, going when I was 16, Steve Strange, and he had a night at... That's it? Yeah. yeah. yeah well, I'm, I'm, 50, I'm 58 this year. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, it was about that time, yeah. I, I, I went, yeah, and then it Strange moved Strange to Great Queen... Door. That's yeah. where we used to go, Great Queen Street. But we used yeah. to go to some others at Tottenham Court Road, all around there. But it was, it was this, all of a sudden, this whole new world. Because we were like six old boys, and then and you, you just got into this world of all this wonderful creativity. Yeah, and, uh, it was. You know, it was. Yeah, it was amazing, it, wasn't it? Yeah, and it, it's expressive, and I, I think that's almost what people. It's a shame, really, because there isn't much of that that real individual expression now, is there? That's the thing. I'm hoping that will come back or we'll have a new version of that yeah. with this, you know, because it just got so high society, you know, just all these stupid red carpety, you know, yeah. everything about that kind of thing, you know, what what's on Instagram. But those clubs, things happened in there. There were, you know... Yeah. You know, they were really exciting and it was all about new looks and people trying stuff out and yeah. um, it was so raw and so so inspiring and, you know, that hasn't been the case for a while. So no. maybe it will be more like that now. I hope so. Or I really hope so. I hope so. I think I think this has got to be. You, you can't go through something as cataclysmic as this without mm. some benefit coming from it and, and I think a lot of people have, have stopped and thought about what's important to them at yeah. the moment you know and uh, and it's uh, one of them stuff isn't it that people yeah. all of a sudden realise they don't particularly need stuff yeah um, I don't know Mr Amazon's doing quite well at the moment so some people are still digging on but uh, you know just from I've got lots of I've got lots of kids and we I've just seen them change you know just through really? the process it's fascinating mm. yeah and um, it's all about that, that they've gone into health and fitness you know they're just training and we're eating well but, yeah you know the money we wasted on takeaways and now we buy food and cook it yeah <laughs> And then, you know, it, it's it's crazy that, that that you when you think you're being frugal, and then you realise you haven't been at all. No, then, it's like how to take care of yourself, how to live, isn't it? That's yeah. what the the good side of what we've been through. If we're in a position to have that, 
Yeah. It's fantastic, I agree. Um, what, what's, what's happened with um, your business during this time? Well, it's actually done really well. I think I've been lucky in that the clothes I make are very, were very suited to lockdown, you know, kind of yeah. nice things to sort of lounge about in and, you know, yeah. have online meetings in. And um, and then we, we were quite well organized on the, on the kind of internet, all that stuff, you know, the kind yeah. of online shopping and, yeah. Things and it, it, it we've yeah we've 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 had a really it's been really instructive and we've done really well during this yeah. time but it's still you know nothing is a given anymore so every no. kind of week it's like where, what's the direction where are we going yeah. then I think you know my the way I work is always I figured out a, a, a while ago that quite a while ago that the best way I could work as a fashion designer is to do what I felt I was best at and good at rather than trying to be part of a fashion thing and um and so you know I've I've been used to operating in a slightly different way from mainstream and and that definitely um worked for this scenario you know it's a, you know I don't have a huge business it's just quite it's relatively small and agile and yeah. I'm and it's quite personal I want it to feel uh, you know intimate so that when you go onto my site you feel there are, you feel involved and connected and it's not mm. just about a product and a brand it's about I suppose it's like how I feel about things and that's what keeps me interested in the whole thing. So um, I think the sort of lockdown experience and the thing of not being able to be close to people in the way that you would normally be, those things, the things that are real, suddenly, you know, are noticeably so. And um, so I just sort of did more of what I particularly believe in you know the way the things we put on instagram and mailers and mm. without kind of you know being completely unprivate you know but it, i don't know it's, it's really refreshing to be honest for you to say that you've you know you've, you've done well it's mm. so refreshing because you know when you you do hear a lot, particularly my industry. My my industry's really struggled. Um, yeah. Obviously, because it's so hands-on that, that people are just aren't able to work. And uh, even with the charity, we're not able to get our hands on <laughs> a lot of people. And yeah. it's so frustrating. So it's, I love I love success. I love, you know, like... Yeah, I we, agree. We need this good good stuff, you know. Um, we, 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 need, we need to know there's hope and, you know, that, that something's going to come from it. And I think that's that's really what makes yours like an authentic brand, isn't it? That you stick to what you want to do, not what you feel. Yeah, I mean, I've tried that in the past and it doesn't work for me. So I just, a while ago, now I know, I've been doing it so long, I know what doesn't work for me and I just won't do it. And, yeah. uh, you know, occasionally, you know, there, there's some sort of, like, 
compromise to do with like things that sell well or whatever. But I really, I just, I, I have to be believing in it. Otherwise, yeah. and if I do that, then I just feel like, God, I hate this, you know, I'm yeah. going. So, um, I, yeah, I found a way that works for me. And, and I really, I mean, I really love working. I love my job. I love what I do and feel endlessly interested and it just feels like tons of new things that could constantly come out of it which um, I'm looking at I think you have to don't you I think if, mm. if you if there's no passion then you know and I think sometimes it's a shame when people hang on um, when you're clearly gone and you know if ever, if ever I stop enjoying what I do I will mm. Well, I wouldn't stop doing it. No, I'd, I'd, I'd hand, you know, hand it over to someone else who could run it forward. Because, um, I, you know, I absolutely love what I do, and I, I, I feel for people who don't. I've got friends who hate going to work, you know, and they hate that aspect of their life. And I think it's we spend so much time doing it, don't we? That you've yeah, you've got to be invested in it emotionally as well as they uh, say so you've got to keep. You shouldn't be so. You shouldn't. Be emotional with it, but I don't see how you can invest with me. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> and so, do you have like a, a a team of people who come and volunteer, and do you invite people to come and like take? How does it work with some haircuts for homeless? Well, what we do, we it started on my own uh, like five years ago. I just went off and done it on my own. Um, and then it just quickly grew because um, everyone wanted to come and help out. And the wonderful thing of social media, the, the pictures are great because they're so it, it's so self-explanatory. You know, mm. um, it, it, you don't need to explain it. It's like, and people just came along and, and helped out. And we, you know, we've now in five years we've got like six hundred volunteers. I mean, sixty-seven sites across the UK. Um, we had plans to open quite a few more, uh, but with this coming, I think what we really need to do is go back and shore up and make sure everyone's okay in the existing ones before we then push forward. Because I think there's a lot of rebuilding got to be done, isn't there, after this? Yeah, yeah. Um, and unfortunately, with our situation, um, it's knowing that or preparing yourself for I always try to be positive, but you've got to be realistic. It's preparing yourself for the worst because we are going to lose. We will have lost some people when mm. we go back, you know, and that's that's going to be a hard one to face. But the cure for that is looking after the ones that are, that are, that are still there. So, yeah. And that, that's the, my, my thing is that the, the gratitude is the big, biggest thing of everything, you know, no matter what you've you've been through um, just feeling like you're making a difference just takes it all away also I think if you work with people the way you're working with people you see pe things that people don't even notice and I love the idea that you could spot something and help someone out when someone wouldn't even see it was happening but because you have a radar for that yeah it's a great feeling to get that moment when someone, the moment when they're about to go walk into the road, as it were, mm. and you just see it and you're there. 
and you're by their side. And I, I suppose it, it feels like, you know, that is the greatest thing that you can be in life is just to notice. Yeah. And, um, I, I, uh, I don't know. That's really kind of like a big motivation for everything for me. But what, what now after all of this uh, time in your career, what motivates you then? Um, I suppose, you know, a mixture of, of what you what you made a point of, the pleasure of success, which is such a gorgeous feeling. Yeah. And um, the knowledge, the, I know that if I'm not making, if I'm not being creative, I feel like I'm drifting backwards. So I know I have to do stuff pretty much all the time that I feel I'm going forward. And, and then it makes me relaxed, you know, if, I, if I'm seeing something or reading something or talking or, I mean, it sounds a bit awful in a way. It's like, it's not like I just want all this information. I just, it's like soul food. I, I want that. I want to learn. I suppose, you know, there's loads of stuff that I'd like to know more about. Um, I'd like to know how to do and, and also things that I've had, you know, things that I think, oh, I could never do that. I think I'm going to do them. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to try. And then I find things out along the way. So I've got loads of kind of ideas that I'm going to explore and I have been exploring and it feels so freeing this thing of like you know when you're a teenager you think I just want to be free and a lot of the getting off your head and stuff is mm. you think yeah. that's how you're going to be free and then it becomes the opposite that you're just yeah. in a room and you don't have any freedom because you're trapped by your dependence and the older I get the less dependent I feel and the more kind of open I'm not so afraid of something going wrong if I try it out because I feel like an, it's only by making the first move in some way or making like trying something or drawing something or writing something down and then there's material to refine and shape and I feel like that in my whole life is that's what I'm looking at and I I'm, I'm really, I'm really loving that. Do you think this time has given you more time to reflect on that, what, what you want to do? Yeah, I think it's given me the, the kind of sense of that I like being on my own a lot more than I noticed and I like not going out so much, a lot more. Mm. And, and then I like making time for one-on-one, you know, like I've been going on these socially distanced walks with people. Yeah. And I've been, that's been such a pleasure. And I, re, I get so much from that. I get a lot of ideas about things. And it, I find my sense of kind of anxiousness is, is about, you know, where do I belong in society kind of thing. Yeah. Has kind of diminished. I think I've got more of a sense of my identity being okay, and that's that's 
a nice, really nice feeling, you know, and it leaves me with a lot of energy for, okay, so what do I want to do? Who, you know, how can I help, really? I find, um, I, I find that myself as well, but I think the, the most gratifying thing is finding out who you are. Mm. Um, and it's, I still, I still not quite there, but, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and it's taken me, because mine with my recovery was like, um, I died, I've been sober 14 years now, but up until that point at 46, you know, the age of 44, didn't have, I didn't have a clue who I was, mm. you know, and that's quite difficult because then you're, you're just being different people for different reactions and, you know, not really, you're going on instinct, not really on what, what drives you, because you don't know what yeah. drives you. And, it, you know, so the big, the big thing of, of, of all of that, you know, putting all the stuff down first, obviously, but then finding out who you are uh, and, and finding out, you know, a lot of it isn't nice, you know, <laughs> a lot yeah. of it's very unpalatable. But then when you do find it, 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 it gets more and more, I mean, we always ask for serenity. You know, to me, serenity is being neutral. And I just sort of aspire to be neutral. And, and, and it's a, the, the most, and as you said, the most, the biggest freedom is like neutrality because nothing can touch you then. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I suppose I, I find the word neutral slightly kind of like nothingy, whereas yeah, I, I suppose it's, I definitely find that I can hear things people say that I don't agree with, and I can I can just not not get into a row. Yeah, and that's in massive. Yeah, <laughs> before I always felt like if I if I acted in an impartial way, I was somehow condoning something I didn't believe yeah. in. So I'd always feel like I had to sort of get into the ring and now I don't feel the need to do that and I don't feel no. like I'm being not you know I don't I feel like I'm it's fine if I I, I, I believe just as much as I ever did in the things I believe in yeah. and I I'm as effective as I ever was and I don't need to you know kind of get sidetracked by by a fight or a disagreement yeah. or or like not saying something and then plunging into sort of, you know, despair that I'm so <laughs> unable to do anything about it. Um, but I suppose it's, it's like knowledge is everything, isn't it? You know, you, you know stuff and you figure out what you can do and what you're better off doing. You know, sometimes it's like helping out somebody or whatever and sometimes it's not doing that and drawing and that is actually more useful in the end and it you know because you can sacrifice yourself entirely for other people but it's not that helpful in the end no I agree with that um, it, it, it's that balance everything comes back to balance isn't it mm. you know and it's that thing of you know because uh, there's almost this culture in our society in, in especially the like the sort of British this British culture of um, fear of success. Yeah. 
you know, there's, it's a it's, sure a, it's a thing, you know, and it, you know, we all talk about fear of failure and it, it holds us back. But I think as much as anything, fear of success, because people don't <laughs> want to put their head above the parapet. Um, you know, and if you, if you put it, and there's a lot of disagree with America, but you know, at least success is held as a positive. You know, and, yeah, and it's what it's what then what you can do with it because it brings it brings opportunity. That's mm. the thing. You know, it's that. Uh, we we could and going back to you when you know the way you was living when you was a child, and 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 your mum and wanting to I see the idealistic part of that, but the, it, it, the, there's not so many opportunities with that. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of there's sort of envy in British society, so people are frightened to be, you know, shine yeah. and because people turn on them and they really do and it's so mm. kind of it's just so mean spirited mm. um, I mean it's hard enough at the best of times without all that but uh, and then it just means you know sort of success is associated with a ruthlessness as well which doesn't necessarily apply and uh, but I suppose you kind of have to get over that bit and uh, yeah. and then somehow do what what feels like having a meaningful life. Yeah. I mean that that and that, that really is all we're all we're here for. Mm. You know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, not, it's not difficult, we just make it so. You know, yeah. like it's really simple. Most things are. Most things come down to being so simple. Yet we, you know, we create everything in our mind to make it the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just find people, I find myself fascinating. Um, <laughs> not in a good That's way. Either. Good. No, but it's good. It's good to be interested in yourself. Otherwise, well, it's part of the like, I'm not, you know, it's, I, it's you know, it's being self-indulgent. And, and as children, you know, people are always telling children, don't, be so attention seeking and yeah. why not be attention I mean that's exactly what you need to be as a child to get attention yeah. and yeah. yet we have these you know this is this kind of shame message that right from the word dot and uh, um, it just doesn't make any sense so um, all those are good things I agree yeah so where where do you see the future now Oh, can oh we come God! God knows. All I know is I I I know I there are some things I want to do, mm. and um, and I I'm starting to try to shape them, um, yeah. and I want to um, I want to be more free in the way I live, mm. not. You know, I suppose what I loved about the lockdown is just not going into my office every day. But I've been very connected to the people I work with and having some sort of, like, confidence that I could be, be a bit more free. I'm so sort of dutiful in my working life. I will, you know, I'll do... I'll always show up. I'll always do something. I'll never take time off, you know, those kind of things. And it's like, what, what am I doing? This I could yeah. do what I want and 
do my job very well. I, I love working hard, so it's not like that's what I want to get away from. I just want to try different rhythms of things and see, because otherwise I'll never think of something new. I want to sort of make it different so that I have new thoughts in my head. And um, I wouldn't mind a bit more travel. I've always hated travel, actually. Um, Part of it, I think, I'm sure it goes back to my childhood where it was so uncertain and insecure. And, you know, we didn't have any... We never had anywhere to live of our own until until I left her. In fact, until I got my own flat when I was about, I can't remember, 27 or something. And, um, you know, when we, when we moved back from Morocco, we lived, we moved 11 times in two years living in different people's houses. And, you know, sometimes it was for a couple of weeks, sometimes months, but, um, so I always, for me, the greatest joy was to just be at home and like the journey home from wherever I'd gone was just the most joyful, you know, anticipation. But now I wouldn't mind like exploring a tiny bit, you know, uh, I a think tiny that bit. Was- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still quite apprehensive. I I only want to go places that I've already been, which is obviously very limited. <laughs> and but you know, there's a few things I I, I don't have so much fear about going no. somewhere now um, and being stranded because I, I wouldn't yeah. be stranded. But um, so yeah, that I've got other projects and stuff and. Um, and, uh, you know, also I'm always interested in ways that I can use through design, help people who, who have, who, who are struggling or are suffering. And I, I've got a charity called the, I'm, I, I'm co-founded with my best friend, Carmen Abulsi. We, we started a charity for Palestinian refugee children in the early 2000s. Oh, it's wow. called the, the Hoping Foundation. Okay. And yeah. so um, that is a very kind of precious part of my life. Yes. Yeah. And um, so, you know, and it's been very, it's taught me a lot about, you know, how to help people without demanding that people... Uh, agree with me and you know how to use beauty and design as a way of bringing people into something that they may not have otherwise thought about and so that that's always a big uh, big thing a huge thing and I've always been interested in like the aesthetics of protest and you know, words like, you know, language, I use a lot of words in my work. And maybe just sort of float a word out to people that maybe opens something. It's not about telling someone what to do or having a slogan. It's about, you know, a word that moves and Mm. people take it and sort of it means something, hopefully. I'm, I'm really interested in that type of thing and uh, yeah 
Well, well, I'll make sure I put the link to your charity on. Yeah, as well. Great. Yeah, I'll make sure I get that all on. I'll send you that. Yeah, and we've, yeah, and we've, I mean, because we've, our ambassador, Lena Heady, uh, the actress and director, yeah. she's, she does wonderful work with refugees, and I've learned a lot, mm. you know, since I've been doing this, you know, about refugees, and my whole, my whole concept of stuff has changed completely yeah. uh, around that, and uh, hopefully... Uh, and, and one of my other guests, um, Cabby Brown, the boxer, they, they went off to um, Iraq, and it was the Kurds, and they taught them how to box. You know, wow. yeah. and the empowerment. She's she's one of our first professional British female fighters, um, and she she was you know she's teaching them right, the the empowerment of boxing and self defence. So fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's I mean, so many. People yeah, so much great stuff, and it uh, just all makes such a difference. There's, yeah, you know, these small things they mean everything. Yeah. If you help one person, that that's yeah. good enough, you know, and and all sorts of different ways. And, and with hoping we we have grants for sport, art, and education, yeah. and and we Which, do we have like some rugby grants. There's a little rugby um, kind of initiative yeah. in the West Bank, and um, it's just so lovely, you know, that people do these ordinary things and it gives them a feeling of hope and being noticed and heard and seen. And, uh, and you know, if you can do that and help someone, uh, you know, that's just such a massive, wonderful kind of thing to be able to have done, you know. Um, so I feel very privileged to be able to do a tiny, tiny amount but I do do. Would you um would you come to one of our projects? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd yeah, love come. to do that. You, you yeah, honestly, you'll love it. You'll I'm love quite it. good at haircutting actually. I mean I'm very oh, yeah. slow so. <laughs> but I'd love to come. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll make yeah. sure I keep in touch and I'll make sure yeah. things we're able that uh, you come down uh, to yeah. London. I'm sure you'll love it. You meet the most wonderful people. Yeah. Um, I'd uh, really yeah. like That'd that. That would be great. Good. Yeah. Good. Thanks. Well, okay. thank, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, it's a real pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And um, like I say, we put all the links and things on and uh, we'll definitely stay in touch and hopefully... Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll get a picture of you cutting some hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Thank you very much. All thank right, you so much. Stuart. Thank you. Okay. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.